Hey everyone, something a little bit different for you this week, which is I'm going to be chatting with my friend Spencer Fry. Spencer is the CEO and founder of Podia, which is a platform for creators to sell things like courses and uh, webinars and do uh, membership community sites, things like that. I met Spencer a number of years ago and found him to be super smart, very thoughtful, and he's building a very successful, fast-growing company. So I thought it would be awesome to have him on and chat about how he's doing that. Hope you enjoy. What's going on, Spencer? Not too much. Uh, enjoying some sunny weather today, finally. Nice. It's awesome. So you are the founder of Podia, which is a platform for creators, people making things online. Yeah, lots of them. The market really grew a lot last year. I mean, gets on that kind of thing. Yeah, it's been crazy and the product's been evolving a lot. So a lot of things going on right now. Nice. Yeah, you and I met at MicroConf a couple of years ago, maybe two or three years ago. And have sort of stayed in touch since then? I think it's more like four or five years ago. But oh, yeah, it's been, it's been a while. <laughs> it's yeah. been a while. And then I saw you in New York like maybe two or three years ago. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, we hung out in New York a little bit. What triggered this, my thought of like, oh, I got to get Spencer on the podcast, was this tweet thread you did recently about the sort of post-product market fit phase of a company. As someone preparing to talk to you on a podcast, having your blog is a quite a goldmine. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, so going back and reading some of the stuff you've written is super helpful. But yeah, I wanted to chat about that. And you you point out in that thread that like a lot of people don't talk about this phase as much. Like pre-product market fit seems to be like a lot of information. Less afterwards. And you you brought up some sort of interesting kind of more advanced level ideas, I guess, in that thread. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably because you know, most startups don't get to product market fit. So there's, you know, fewer people to write about it. And like, once you do hit product market fit, you're so busy and your head's down that you don't think to like share your knowledge. So yeah, I just recently I've been thinking about a lot because so many things have been changing in our company over the last few years. Totally. Yeah. I, I wanted to like get you on and spread more of this knowledge around this. So this whole thing, like this idea of there's lots of beginner content and then there's a lot less once you pass a certain difficulty level or, or commonality or something. I found this in programming content, like when I was making educational stuff, like if you want to like a tutorial on building your first Rails app, there's just thousands of them. But if you want like, okay, it's been in production for three years, what are the trickier things I'm going to deal with now? So much less information out there for it. Yeah, it's actually interesting too, because, you know, we hit product market fit a couple years ago, but only recently we've really needed kind of more, what's the right word? Not advanced developers, but developers who have seen scale because we're running into like some scale, not issues, but like they're on the horizon sort of thing. And yeah, you can't really find that much information about it. You really need to hire people that have gone through that um, and have experienced it themselves to kind of bring that to your, your company. So yeah, it's definitely an issue. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad to sort of put more of this advanced-ish kind of content out in the world. So I'm excited to dig into it. I thought we would maybe start by, since we're talking about a post-product market fit phase, just do you have a sort of off the cuff definition of, or like a feeling that you felt like when you sort of crossed that threshold? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have written about, you know, what does it mean to hit product market fit? And I've seen all their definitions. And honestly, it's sort of just a feeling <laughs> that you have as an entrepreneur and as like the CEO that you are, you know, maybe you're, you're getting more signups than you did last month. And, you know, they're not your friends and they're like, there's more word of mouth spreading and like reviews are popping up on YouTube and like Captera and all these things. And you're just, it's just like a lot of different things happening at once. You know, the product is actually getting a lot of usage, et cetera. But, you know, I don't think there's necessarily, 
you know, a revenue milestone. And it obviously it doesn't need to be that you're break even, but there's just this feeling that you have like, okay, we have something here, you know, now how do we scale it? That sort of thing. Like what kind of processes do we put in place to improve it? Um, so yeah, it's just a feeling to me, honestly. Gotcha. Yeah. Your thread came at a good time for me. I, I think it's fair to say we're past this point ourselves. And I've felt myself switching my mindset a bit where it's like in the beginning, it's literally just like, is this going to work? Like, how do we, how do we make this work and hit like a certain revenue mark before we die? Like run out of money, I mean. And now it's less like, okay, it's definitely working. It's a real business. It's happening. And, and our team is also growing. So we're like, we're eight people now. And so it's like, okay, there's, there's just a whole different set of things to think about and pay attention to. And like the mode of what I should be thinking about and working on, I feel like is, is shifting pretty quickly. Yep. And it's going to, you know, change again once you double the team, <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost like every, every like five to 10 people you add to the company just completely changes things, especially like post product market fit. It's a serious challenge that again, like no one writes about. Uh, so I'm happy that we can talk about it a little bit. Totally. And yeah, by the way, people, if they're interested in this, should like go check out your, your blog. You've written like a lot of good stuff on this just at spencerfry.com. We can link to that. I'll be pulling some bits of your posts into this conversation, but it's it's actually really worth reading them uh, in their entirety. One highlight on that thread about this post-product market fit time is you've switched your thinking to be more about long-term building. So you're thinking like you're making more strategy docs and deep brainstorming sessions and really focusing on like nailing the value proposition over the long-term. You talk more about that? You know, just for context, uh, I started this company about six and a half years ago. Uh, for the first year and a half, it was just myself. And then we started hiring people. And it was about two years ago, two and a half years ago, when we actually hit product market fit. Uh, but those for those first few years, it was just like doing and building anything that our customers wanted. <laughs> we probably spent 20% of the time building things that kind of uh, aligned with our roadmap that wasn't requested, but for the rest of the time, it was really like, I need a, you know, an export of that. Okay, let's go build the export. Uh, I need like transcriptions or something like, so we just really reacted to our customer feedback. And I think that's, was really helpful in those early days. But now, you know, once you hit product market fit, you get so many customers that are requesting so many different things that you sort of have to sit back and take a minute and think about like, okay, what is the company and the product that I want to build? What is it that my team wants to build? You know, where do we want to head? who are our best customers, you know, customers that signed up in the first few years are not our best customers today. So there's just a, a lot of thing that you, things that you have to consider um, as you start to scale. Mm. I love this idea of these sort of strategy memos going out and kind of thinking about long-term planning. I think this is actually a weakness. This is something I'm, I'm working on, like I want to do a better job of. Do you have a cadence that you have for these? Like what do these look like? So it's only been the last two years when um, we started writing these strategy docs. And so the end of 2019 was the first time I wrote one. And I wrote this product strategy doc. And also our marketing department wrote like marketing strategy for 2020. So for both of us. And actually, uh, I'll talk more about that in a second. But uh, this year, we actually did one for support. And we also did one for uh, dev, which is slightly different than product. So we actually had four big, massive strategy docs for all of 2021. But typically, like we set out with some goals and those goals, our first time doing this, were a lot more, you know, metrics driven, revenue driven, that kind of thing. And we've actually sort of scrapped that component because it's really hard to 
anticipate like what your revenue is going to be a year from now, you know, uh, et cetera. And we've made it more about focused around like things that we want to, to do for the year. Like what are those like one or two like main focus points for us? And I don't think it's giving anything away to say So we have two on the product side. Uh, the first one is that we want to build out uh, more community features to compete in the market for, for around this idea of community. And the second one is to get back to a place where we can pivot on a dime and be able to uh, develop smaller features faster. So we've been doing like a lot of backend work this uh, year. We're going to be doing a lot to get back to that point. So so for product anyway, those are our two main goals. And obviously we're going to do a lot more, um, but they're not like revenue metrics driven anymore. The second one is super interesting to me because in the early days, you kind of go from like customer submits a support ticket, co-founder CTO sees it, writes the fix, ships it 30 minutes later kind of thing. Is that the kind of vibe that you're talking about in that second goal is going back to those? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. So we've been going through this massive uh, rework where we uh, were on Bootstrap 3, our whole CMS, our whole admin, and we've been migrating everything to Bootstrap 4. So it's been a massive project that's taken like well over a year. Well, it's also with like brand new design and stuff like that. So we're almost done and almost wrapped up that project. And once that's ready, we've built all these like component libraries. We've got this whole Podia UI thing that we've built up and it's, it's fantastic and it makes us move really, really quickly. And so the idea around that second goal for us is finish that project so that we can, again, start to do those little small uh, improvements that, you know, creators are, that's what we call our customers, our customers request, um, and just get back to that, like really quick, you know, market movement, pivot fast on like new things coming up. So. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. And then the other thing you said that I'm curious about is you got away from revenue goals. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking of like, okay, we should probably have a revenue goal for the year and like use that to kind of orient or like track our progress and whatnot. You got away from that just because it's hard to predict. Is that sort of why? We still have a company revenue goal. So that's mainly in like the product strategy doc where, you know, I was putting in a bunch of figures like we want a conversion rate to go up and we want like usage of this part of the product to go up, stuff like that. We do have one, one or two like company goals. One is sort of like a year long one. Then another one is a five year goal. And those are loosely tied to revenue. The, the one year one is, is more tied to revenue, but I've stripped that away from like the product strategy, the marketing strategy docs, that kind of thing, because it sort of gets in the way of doing things like not just for the numbers. <laughs> yeah. I have mixed feelings about like numerical goals like that. Like I, I appreciate the trackability and like, you know, how are we on target? How are we doing? It's a clear kind of line in the sand. But I have also kind of debated like the degree to which it maybe makes you too focused on this number that is kind of an output metric as opposed to the input metric. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think part of it too is we hit profitability last summer. So we're not as stressed out about, uh, you know, revenue growth. Like that being said, it's still very important that we grow and I've got, you know, ambitious goals for the next year to five years, et cetera. But I, I feel like this year is sort of like a reset year for us in the sense that like we want to get back to like being who we are and defining, you know, what processes we care about, like what customers that we care about, you know, what parts of the product that we care about, that sort of thing. So it's sort of like I'm taking a year to sort of relax a bit from the the grind of, you know, getting profitable, getting a product market fit, et cetera. One of these other topics in your tweet there that I liked a lot was you said you, we'd keep growing even if we took our hands off the wheel. But whenever I addressed the team, I'd reinforce that we'd never be complacent. 
I know very well from previous startups how letting complacency seep in can lead you to being on top one day and not the next. Yeah. I've had a few different startups in the past, but two of them come to mind where uh, we were market leaders and we were growing really fast. And then we sort of took our, uh, you know, our, our foot off the gas and sort of like, oh, we're, you know, everything's good. Like, let's just relax. Let's hang out. You know, like, you know, it's all good, you know, whatever, you know, we, that we'll ship that on time. We won't ship it on time. Who cares? And in both cases, we got past, you know, a couple of years later. And I want to say that that wasn't all on my co-founder's fault. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely really, from those past experiences, like really care about continuing to to push forward and never letting any sort of like goal that you hit make you complacent. So I've, I tell the team all the time, it's like, yes, we're profitable, but like tomorrow another startup could come up and, or, you know, whatever, anything happens. So you just kind of keep, got to keep moving. This is kind of the, to me, the brutal part of, of running a business is that there's no arrival and like, you know, that, all right, you're good now. You now are unassailable. Everything's just guaranteed to be okay from now on. It's kind of like, you're always at threat. You're always out there in the, you know, on the Serengeti and like, you don't know what's lurking around the corner. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just small companies like ours, you know, big companies too face the same issues like Facebook and Twitter and, and, you know, all these companies face it. So especially in our market too, which like the creator economy is, you know, beginning to sort of quote unquote blow up and there's new startups that are launching like every day on product hunts or like, you know, new startups getting huge rounds of financing and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we try to stay like really focused on just improving the product and growing and every week, every day we got to be shipping better marketing, better everything, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Having a successful business is so gratifying. It has all these great positive things about it that I, I really love. And the, the trade-off that you're accepting is just like, it's not chill. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like you get there and you're good and just hang out. Exactly. Yeah. Especially to like, I mean, we're, we're VC backed. So you know, our investors are really happy with our progress. You know, they're, you know, it's awesome you hit product market fit. It's awesome that you're profitable, et cetera. But, you know, they're still wanting more. Like we still have uh, board meetings four times a year and we're still, you know, uh, showing off our numbers and showing off our growth. But they're always like, you know, how can you, how can you grow faster? You know, how can you get bigger? Um, so there's always also that like outside pressure from us, for us. Another topic in here that I really enjoyed or like kind of resonated with me was moving to like aggregate feedback from customers versus so much like paying attention to every individual feedback data point you got. I definitely have noticed that in myself already. I read the incoming support requests and the feature requests and things like that. And I'm like, I, I kind of let it wash all over me. Whereas in the early days, it was more like, okay, someone asked for a thing, we probably should just jump on this immediately. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, we now have like tens of thousands of, of customers. So it's, it's just really difficult. Uh, when someone writes in, you know, for a feature request and also honestly, sometimes with bugs too, you know, sometimes someone will have some obscure bug and, you know, it affects, you know, maybe five of our, you know, tens of thousands of customers. And it's like difficult to find the time to fix those things just because like resources are scarce and we try to build and fix things that affect the majority of customers. And it's tough to sort of go down those paths of like, oh, let me fix that like really small bug or let me fix that like really small feature or let me create that really small feature for you that may not affect the entire um, customer base. So I'm very cognizant about thinking about what has the highest impact for the most people that use our platform. We get constant like call quality feedback reports 
Like people will be like, oh, that was a two star out of five call because this issue. And I'm always like, oh, damn, that sucks. Like I want to fix this. And it's like, well, we got so few, you know, bad call feedbacks this week. It's like fixing this problem would do almost nothing to like move our aggregate score. Or like people will request a thing and I'll be like, yeah, we totally should do that. That's that's just a good thing, even though, but it is niche. It's like a small thing. And so being kind of okay with the fact that like, there's just a bunch of rough edges and bugs and things like that, that could, we know could be better, but being okay with not prioritizing them yet. You know, we've been constantly for the last like two or three years evolving our bug system as an example. So, you know, pre-product market fit, we tried to never let it kind of accumulate too many bugs. We always try to fix all the bugs. Um, you didn't want to get it. We didn't want to get a reputation for like buggy software, but you know, now with like tens of thousands of customers and tens of millions of people accessing the platform every month, like we get these really strange bugs um, and we have to prioritize them based on, you know, how are they affecting uh, the customers as, as an aggregate whole. And it's indefinitely a bit been a big change since hitting product market fit. Whereas before we were really trying to fix every little thing. And we've actually had to create like an even another system too, where we now separate bugs into the in like big bugs versus like small bugs. And the big bugs are the ones that are really affecting a lot of creators and the ones that we have to like jump on ASAP. And, that, and by the way, we're talking about bugs a lot. Like we don't have that many bugs. <laughs> Every product has bugs. So of course. Yeah, yeah, totally. So something I, I want to dig into a bit is this idea of, or like, how would you describe the operating system for your business? And like one, one piece of this that I happen to know about, because you've talked about it before, is like this weekly email that you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you talked about the core pieces, what are the main things that like let Podia be a thing? Uh, what are the, the big components there? Yeah. So, you know, in terms of processes that we have in place, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Processes, standing meetings, you know, feedback systems, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it all sort of starts with the weekly email I send out. So I typically write this on Saturday morning uh, when I first wake up with my coffee and I take a look at Basecamp and what what all of our developers do is they leave like a little end of week progress update as to like what they worked on the past week, et cetera, which is valuable. But what's even more valuable is recently we've started this new system where there's basically a project lead and we call them the champion. And so say we're working on, so for example, we just launched this new update to our site editor. So there was a group of people working on there. There was one champion. And at the end of that week, the champion gives us a status update on that project. And so then what I do is I look at all the, what all the champions, write. So typically we have like maybe three different projects going on. Um, I summarize those in like a little product section at the top of the email. And then our marketing person who our CMO, they write me uh, an email also. And I put that into my email as well. So like a full marketing update, you know, content, uh, you know, data projects we have in place, et cetera. And then we also have a support section too, where we just sort of recap the previous week, you know, how well we did uh, based on like certain metrics, like time to first response, et cetera, things that we care about. So I put all those together. And then I finally will have like this little miscellaneous section too, where I'll give like hiring updates, et cetera. So I'll send that out on like a Saturday. And then Monday we have our first meeting, which is at noon, our first and only meeting, I should say. And typically this lasts uh, about 10 to 12 minutes. <laughs> I try to go really fast. The goal is actually under 10 minutes. Whenever it's under 10 minutes, like high five myself. But every single champion will, will give like a quick 30 seconds to a minute recap of what they're working on. So that's like the cornerstone. That's our only weekly meeting where the entire team is on. 
Um, and then and are people yeah. distributed? Do you have like people in a bunch of different time zones? Is that why it's at new? Yeah. Yeah. We have people in all different time zones. So, you know, everywhere from California all the way to Bulgaria. <laughs> so it's, okay. yeah, yep. we're, I think we're like 15 or 16 people in the U S and the rest are um, outside the U S that email is sort of the cornerstone. It sort of sets the pace. Um, it gives everyone an overview of like what's happening across all of our departments. And then other than that, like we really just keep Basecamp pretty up to date. I mean, all of our projects that are there, um, all of our bugs are there, all of our like support stuff is there, et cetera. You get the content from the email Friday-ish. Saturday, you write this up. You send it out on Monday morning or over the week? I actually send it as soon as I read it. <laughs> yeah, I send it. I send it as soon as I read it. Yeah. Got it. So that's like, okay, here's what happened in the last week in the product, in the in the various areas of the company? It's It's not necessarily like... So in support, it's what happened last week. In marketing, it's what happened last week. But it's also forward-looking too. So like these are the projects that are um, in process, you know, both on the product side both and on the marketing side. Um, support is mostly just like a look back. But yeah, I send that out. I don't anticipate that people read it until Monday, but I think some of them, <laughs> some of them do. Um, but actually... I've heard a lot from a lot of our, our employees that they actually really like reading it on like Sunday because it sort of just gets them uh, their mindset ready for the week. And then it's like, you know, they can just sort of absorb it all um, and, you know, kind of get ready to work for on Mondays. Do you ever have sections in that where it's like Spencer's current thought, like here's what's top of mind for me or something like that? Every once in a while, I'll just write a separate email to the team or like a Basecamp update. We've gone pretty crazy with Basecamp over the last two years. And now like we just do everything in there because um, we're very, very async culture. Like we don't like jumping on, you know, video calls and that stuff too often. For example, recently, uh, actually yesterday, I sent out a Basecamp update to the entire team. Uh, basically as a product strategy update as to like what we set off on January 1st, 2021, like where do things stand? So it's sort of like, I think it was, it was, the topic was one month in 11 months to go in the year. And like, here's where all the projects stand. You know, some things are getting shifted slightly. Um, these all shipped and, and these went well, et cetera. But yeah, we don't do that, that many like broader team updates outside of that, that weekly email. Gotcha. Okay. And so then people are like kind of caught up based on the email and then there's the Monday meeting. And this is like a little bit of a chance for the champions to kind of brag a little or sort of update the company yeah. on how things are going. Yep. Yep. And uh, that's actually a concept we stole from Shopify. I don't know if we do it exactly the same way that they do it, but every project at Shopify has a champion. And that's just the person that's sort of like the go-to and writes the updates and, you know, lets support know if they need like new help docs or lets marketing know if there's, you know, something that needs to be announced. Hmm. Nice. Okay. So the champions talk and they say that's kind of seems like that's forward looking like here's here's what we're doing kind of thing. Yeah. So it might be like 20% recap of the previous week and then like the rest is sort of like here's where the project is. This is what we're going to be working on. You know, we might we anticipate it shipping maybe Wednesday or Thursday. So, yeah, it's pretty much just forward, forward looking and it gives everyone a chance, at least the champions to uh, have some mic time, which is nice, especially if you're like. A remote company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you, I think I remember you saying like you like that it gives a lot of people a chance to talk, not just you. Yeah, exactly. I actually mostly act as like MC now, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I used to sort of give more of the update, and now I'm like, okay, uh, Ben, uh, why don't you update us on this? And then you know, Ben will chat and and kind of go down the down the list. And then I always tell everyone, uh, see you on Slack. Have a great week. <laughs> at the end, nice. Do you feel like you have to cut people off to keep them terse? 
No, because everyone loves it. Everyone loves, I mean, everyone loves uh, having short meetings, I think. So, you know, they, they kind of like play the game. Um, they're like, okay, like how fast can I give this update? <laughs> I love it. That's cool. Yeah. And so beyond this Monday thing, there's just, there's no standing recurring meetings going on. Yeah, no standing recurring meetings um, other than, you know, one-on-ones, which is not, you know, exactly the same thing. We do one-on-ones once a month, um, which I feel like is a good cadence. I'm not a fan of like once a week personally or even every two weeks. So we do we do every every month. But other than that, we have no standing meetings. Yeah. Why does that feel like the right cadence to you? I just don't think there's enough to talk about, you know, every week. And I think if you're, you know, on top of things as a manager, um, you know, that the door's always open. So like, you know, Ben can always talk to me if, if he wants to, but having that sort of monthly cadence almost makes it the meeting more important. That's, you know, we haven't spoken in a month, like what's, what's gone on with you? Like where, how are things, you know, how are things going, et cetera, et cetera. And it gives you a better time to like, um, say you want someone to work on something, you know, 30 days is, is a pretty good amount of time to work on that thing. And then the manager can like bring it up at their next one-on-one. Interesting. Yeah, I've been doing weekly one-on-ones and I would say that maybe does kind of feel too often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we almost did every two weeks and then I was just like, oh, I don't know if I want more meetings. <laughs> so yeah. it's part of it's selfish. <laughs> sure. Are we missing any other parts of the Podia operating system? Yeah, uh, there's a couple other things. So we actually do do quarterly team meetings. I, I forgot to mention that. So that's actually somewhat new, maybe like about a year old. So the product team will meet at the start of a quarter. The marketing team will meet at the start of the quarter. Um, and actually support does uh, monthly meetings because they, they do more things like they'll do like retrains and, and things like that, which are kind of cool. So, um, you know, this is how we deal with these types of requests and that kind of thing. So, oh, and then once a quarter, I also present the board deck uh, to the entire team. And that meeting actually end up, ends up lasting more like 45 minutes, but that's, that's during Ooh. our weekly as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Massive. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, it's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. What are, what are those team meetings like? Uh, the, so the team meetings, we typically just talk about like the quarterly strategy. So what I'll do is I'll take that yearly strategy doc that I started, um, in December and, and sent to the team on the start of uh, January, I'll sort of progress update that and kind of uh, cut it slightly and, and talk about like, okay, what is like, what are we doing for Q2? Um, and just get everyone on, on the same page there. But yeah, I mean, I also will post monthly updates. Actually, one other thing we do, which this is new, um, but I'll post a monthly update at the beginning of the month, basically just for the marketing team to know what we plan on releasing that month so that they can make sure that they prep like any videos we want to include with announcements, like write any emails, um, make sure they're writing articles that touch on that subject, that kind of thing. So that's mostly just to keep them informed though. Do you do anything to get people kind of socializing with each other, getting to know each other, feeling connected to the, the group? Yep. Um, and before I jump on that, I remembered one other thing we do is we do have a leadership okay. team meeting every two weeks. <laughs> so so uh, me, okay. our CMO, our CTO, and our head of support. That, that's high level. What's going on? Are any big problems happening? That kind of thing? Yeah. So sometimes it'll be like people problems, like, you know, maybe someone on the support team is, you know, not doing super well or, and, you know, needs some support. So that person would be like, hey, like there's this problem, you know, how do you think we should address it? That kind of thing. More often than not, it just tends to be like updates across departments, you know, knowledge sharing, uh, that sort of thing. Gotcha. So we've got weekly all hands after the Spencer email. 
got monthly team meetings, uh, monthly one-on-ones, and then bi-monthly leadership team meeting. Exactly. And then quarterly board meeting updates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of social stuff, we do quite a bit, actually. So we started using this program called Donut. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's like has a nice Slack integration. So we have this buddies channel that we created in Slack. And then every two weeks you get paired with someone. For example, I just spoke to someone on customer support yesterday for the first time. And you just hang out and chat for like half an hour. Um, and it was cool because I hadn't talked to that person in a year <laughs> uh, since I since I interviewed them. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, chit-chatted on Slack and sort of thing like that, but not like sat down and spoke to this person. I learned like they're in Brazil and learned like so much about them and it was really fun. So we do those every two weeks. They're not mandatory. So I think out of the 24 people on the team, I think about you know, 17 or 18 people have opted into it, which is totally cool. Like I understand that some people just don't want to do that kind of thing and I'm not going to force it on yeah. them. Yeah. And that's 18 out of like 24-ish. Is that about how many yeah. these days? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 24. Hiring developers, though. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> like saw, every, yeah. everyone else on the, in, the, in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Rails devs and senior Rails devs, I saw. Yep, yep. Cool. Another random thought I had as you were talking, you have these uh, strategy docs, like the yearly strategy doc. I'm guessing strategy is contrasted to tactical. Like it's, it's a kind of a high-level guide rather than very specific things in there. Is that accurate? So the mo- most recent one, there's those kind of like high-level goals that we want to you know, achieve for the year. And then that's sort of broken down into like certain priorities that will help us achieve those goals. So most oftentimes those are like product things that we want to ship, but they're still pretty high level. You know, like uh, last year it was, it was something like release a new site editor so that we can like favorably compare ourselves to the market in terms of design options and sort of thing like that. And then, yeah, there, it's pretty high level. There might be some specific things in there. But then typically when we get to one of those things, um, we'll, I'll spin up a base camp project. I'll write a little bit about like, what are we trying to hoping to do? And then I'll like meet with our designer and we'll jump into Figma and start, you know, sketching things out. Then we'll bring more people on the team, bring in the champion, et cetera. But yeah, we don't have like a very stringent product spec <laughs> system. Uh, we kind of just start getting, getting into it and start building. For better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you, are you still doing product stuff? Yeah, that's where I'd like to spend most of my days, um, thinking through other sorts of things. I, mean, I do a lot of things, honestly, but that is my favorite thing. I, I love product. I love working with customers. I love talking to customers. Um, you know, I still do weekly demos for new new customers every every Tuesday. But yeah, that's where I spend most of my time. I think at some point soon, I'm going to need some assistance there. But uh, um, I have a CEO coach. And one of the things I've been talking about with her recently is like, you know, the things that make me happy, I want to spend more time doing. And she's sort of like, do that. And so product is like the thing I love. So, you know, I don't see myself giving it up at any point. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah, that's the sustainability of making sure your day is things you like. It seems pretty important. Yeah, yeah, because there's only so many, you know, emails and meetings and, you know, like business stuff and accounting that I can do all day and not want to like quit. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. One thing that stood out to me, and maybe this, maybe I just misread this, um, but I think in one of your posts I saw there was a phase where you were 19 people and at, you were talking about managers and you said that our, our CMO is managing seven, a team of seven. Is that true that at one point you were 19 people, seven of which were in marketing? Uh, I think that was our CTO, maybe. 
Okay. Uh, or maybe, maybe not. <laughs> uh, may, I mean, so yeah, our CMO also did manage quite a few people, but like since then, I don't know exactly what date that was, but we have added more managers and things like that. So, and we have much more, we have more like processes around that. We've got like more slab. We use slab for internal company documentation. So we have much more documentation around that. Well, just the thing that stood out to me was actually the the ratio of like, is like, is Podia 40% marketing today? So we are nine people in product, not including myself. So the designer and all the devs were 10 customer support. So you include engineer, like development in product? Yeah. I mean, technically like they're on the product dev team. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, it's like, yeah, dev team. They're on the dev team, but like we just we just call it product. So we have nine people on that team, ten people on support, and then the remaining five people are in marketing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that that ratio seems to have shifted a lot, or or I misread or something. Yeah. Um. I th- I don't know if it shifted too much, but yeah, maybe maybe like I was off on the numbers or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah that sure. yeah, that's correct. Um. But yeah, we now we have, you know, we have another manager on our on our dev team. We have another manager on our uh, marketing team. We have another manager on our support team. So yeah, I think we have like seven managers, if that includes myself in total. The manager thing was interesting to me because you mentioned at one point that you've always been an extremely productive company. Yeah. And then adding a management layer allowed you to keep being productive as you grew and it didn't like slow you down or bog you down. Yeah, and one thing that we're very clear about, and we have uh, like internal documents about this, is that managers are, you know, their their main responsibility is still like inter- individual contributors. So we don't have people that are just managers. Like we have people that maybe spend twenty percent of their time on like management things um, outside of like myself, the CMO, CTO, etc. Like they're spending more time managing, but that sort of uh, middle layer, whatever you would call it, we tend to not want them to go over like a 20% sort of threshold. And so they're still spending like 80% of their time on individual contributions, but they might be slightly different contributions too. Um, so like our manager and support has additional responsibilities that she does um, that's outside of just being in the queue. So as, as I was reading through your sort of growth over the years, it seemed like a consistent theme was documenting processes over time. Yeah. Like switching more to writing versus kind of an oral history or sort of here's how we do it. If you ask Spencer, he'll tell you kind of thing in a bunch of different ways. This this point seemed to come up over and over at various different sizes and times. Yeah, I mean, it's changed a lot. Last year, we, you know, we added quite a few people and the year before that as well. And I think once we hit that like 10 employee mark, um, it just, it became too difficult to share knowledge amongst everyone unless we wrote it down. Uh, so we, we signed up for this company that I like a lot called Slab and they're pretty inexpensive, slab.com. And they've got a great like internal wiki that you can set up. And so now we just document everything from like how we work, um, like uh, to, you know, how managers work at Bodia to like hiring process, uh, to onboarding, to like everything, you know, all, all the way down to like if someone, a developer fixes a bug. Um, that's really small, they'll even put that in our slab so that we can, another developer in the future can find that thing. So we're really, really careful about documenting processes because we have a pretty complicated product, you know, technically anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you say Podia or Podia? Uh, Podia. So it's, it's the plural form of Podium, Podium, Podia. But like, honestly, I, sometimes I say it both ways. <laughs> okay. I was just like, oh man, have I been pronouncing this company wrong the whole time? Yeah, it's like 
uh, yeah, I, I don't mind. <laughs> okay, cool. That's this is how I feel about tuple and tuple for what it's yeah, worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, thing. it's it's easy to write for both of us, um, and that's all that matters because it's the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. Any other th- thoughts you have about kind of the the operating system or things you're doing or or that kind of thing? That's um, that yeah, such I a mean, terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you know, I think. One of the things that it, that's always fascinated me is that um, we do a lot of these things that no other companies do at our size, and I don't under, I don't understand it. So I don't, I don't know uh, know if that's a huge insight, but I really recommend documenting things. I really recommend having an internal wiki. I really recommend like having processes in place for everything. Yeah. Gotcha. So write more stuff down. <laughs> yeah, write more stuff down, and um, you know then continue to update it too. I think that's a big part of it is, you know, the thing that you wrote a year ago, um, is probably out of date. And so like every six months or something, we're actually going to, I go through like all the docs with our CMO, um, who also does a lot of COO type things. And we kind of make sure that they're all up to date, um, et cetera. So in like, you know, for example, we have like a whole onboarding process and we recently updated that as well because things have changed. Nice. Yeah. That seems, that seems good. Uh, we definitely have, gone through various phases of like let's document this and then it gets a little stale for sure it seems to be that that, i think that go back and review it thing is probably a critical part of actually making the documentation work yeah 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 and the funny thing too is like whenever we onboard a new developer we have them update the readme and everything (laughs) you know just just uh simple processes like that like really really help totally no i like that that's cool awesome well uh anything else you want to cover before we wrap up uh no i think you know, uh, if, if anyone has any questions about post product market fit stuff, let me know. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I have a lot more to say about it, but I need to like think about it more and maybe I'll write another blog post or something. <laughs> nice. That'd be great. Yeah. If, uh, so on Twitter, you're Spencer Fry, F-R-Y. Uh, people can follow you. I recommend that you post interesting stuff and yeah, we'll link to your blog and your Twitter and whatnot. So people can check you out if they, they're so inclined. Thank you. Yeah. Happy yeah. to help. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for dropping by. It was, it was great chatting with you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, take care. If you want to find uh, show notes for this episode, you can go to artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.